this podcast is to inspire you to think critically about issues of life and seek God. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. So good to see you all this wonderful morning. Although it's raining, <laughs> it will make you a little bit sleepy. But I, but I hope we can get through this messes without falling asleep. <laughs> I'll try not to put you to sleep. That's my goal. <laughs> Besides preaching the gospel. We had a wonderful Christmas as I was talking to Mr. Carmichael and several of you. We had a wonderful Christmas. We went to Minnesota. Uh, we escaped the cold here and then we got into the blizzard. <laughs> and not only the blizzard, we, we, we saw a lot of wrecks along the way. And God brought us safely to and back. Um, Caitlin's parents, my wife, we went to see them and spend Christmas with them. And they were really happy to see us. Also, they said, that's crazy. Why would you do that? <laughs> and to that, I replied, yeah, that is crazy. <laughs> because we had traveled, we had driven about 22 hours from here because the roads were so slippery, we couldn't drive fast enough. The... It takes about 14 hours to get there, but because of the black ice and ice, we, we, didn't, we couldn't drive faster. And the snow on the road, the wind blowing and covering our windshield, it was, it was really wild, to say the least. But we made it there. We, tra- we started our journey 8.30 p.m. on Thursday night, and we got there Friday, the following day in the evening. So that was our Christmas. And we got there, and we were able to have a great time. That was our Christmas. And we returned, uh, returning was much more better. It was safer because it, the ice had melted. Uh, that's Christmas for us. And we hope you had, you didn't have a similar Christmas. <laughs> uh, you, I, I hope you had a better Christmas. <laughs> All right. My goal today is to preach the word of God. I want to bring the word of God to all of us. And in, by the end of this sermon, I, Pray that we have this encouragement to live a Christ-centered life and, and knowing this joy of knowing the Word of God and Christ Himself. And I hope that we embody that joy, joyfulness, that excitement of knowing Christ. I always love coming to this church and preaching here because it's so calming. You get in here, it, it's the, the, the sound of joy, the hymnals and the singings is always so amazing to me because I grew up in this in this similar kind of environment, in church environment in Nepal. So it's always exciting to me, and I'm really glad that I get to come every time. I, I'm always excited. I have to ask my pastor there because I work full-time there now, and I'm in the staff, and I will be preaching there a couple times coming soon. And I have other responsibilities in the morning and, and do especially on Sunday. So I get excited to preach here and then I have to text my pastor, can I go? <laughs> and then to which he always replies, yes, absolutely. He, he, it's always, there's a word and it reads the word. So he's always, immediately he never hesitates to send me away, even in that important day for us at Crosspoint Church. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for this uh, wonderful opportunity again. Today, I want to bring the Word of God from the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. And that's going to be our anchor verse throughout the sermon today. I'm, I'm going to try to... Uh, well, this is going to be sort of gospel. 
I want to remind us what the gospel is, in a way. And then in the end, my goal is to accomplish that we, we should be joyful knowing that we know Christ, knowing that we have been saved and we have this knowledge of Christ, the Savior. So in the end, that's my goal is to accomplish that, uh, to have the mindset and heart set and our thinking conform to the Word of God and to have this joy of living out that life. That's my goal in the end. So Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, that's where I'll camp, but then I'll go throughout a lot of scriptures, so you don't need to uh, follow me every time because it's going to be hard because I have a lot of scriptures. I'm going to go quickly. I'll read that for you, but this is where we will camp uh, majority of the time. And this is what the Word of God says this morning. Uh, and I'll read from the New Living, Te- uh, Test- New Living Translation. That's going to be my translation this morning, um, which might be slightly different from yours. This is easy for me because I'm a Nepalese. It's easy translation. <laughs> All right, let's read the uh, book from the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 8. This is what it says. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much this morning that you have given us this fellowship, this opportunity to gather together and to break your word and to bring your word among this, uh, all these people and to myself, Lord. And this, thank you for this opportunity. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd come here, lead and guide me as I speak the word, that I may speak the word uh, that is biblical, not outside of the Bible, being careful to how to uh, interpret the scripture, how to bring the word. Help me to be so careful that I would only glorify you, Lord. Help me not to speak anything outside of your will and your word, Father. We surrender to you as everybody is here listening. Father, give us the ears to hear and heart to uh, comprehend and to treasure that word, O Lord. We thank you now this, um, this morning. I surrender all of this in your name, Jesus, and we thank you. Amen. All right. So this is going to be the verse for today, the Word of God. And first, I want to start off by the hopeless state of the world that we were in in the past. You see, if you read the book of Genesis from 1 to 7, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, you, you get to see a glimpse of what happened in the beginning in the creation. Adam and Eve, God put them in the Garden of Eden, but then Eve was tricked by the enemy, the serpent. He comes, the serpent comes, and he says, Eve, did God say to you not to eat any fruit from this garden? And then to which uh, Eve replies, because God had said not to eat certain food, uh, fruit from the middle of the garden. And she said, yes, God has told us not to eat from that fruit and from that tree. It is not allowed. You should not do that. And then the serpent tricks Eve and says, well, you know, it's attractive and it's delicious. You know, it's very compelling. You are going to be just like God. You will be eating that and you'll be transformed into a wise person. You will receive wisdom. And then Eve is convinced. And she, she was convinced. That's the word of God. That's what it said. She was convinced that it was attractive to look and delicious. And then she should probably eat that so that she can gain that wisdom. And she eats that. And then she gives a little bit to her husband, Adam. And this to, to which we should be wondering, 
what were they thinking, right? What were they thinking in the beginning? God had strictly said, and the husband, the Adam, was standing next to her, her, and then he complies in this crime that began the sinful, uh, that, the, that began the sin in the world, that entered the sin in the world, and that was going to corrupt everything and all creation that we knew, and that's going to be, that was going to be the disastrous thing, and to which I don't know what they were thinking, right? So that's in the beginning, that's how sin entered in the world, which you all of you know. But I just wanted to go back there and start there. And when sin entered, what happened? In the book of Romans, chapter 5, 12, this is what it says. When Adam sinned, notice it doesn't say Eve sinned. It says Adam sinned because Adam was supposed to take that authority and that Adam was supposed to take that responsibility to lead his family, lead Eve in a way because he was created first. So when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam sinned brought death. So death is spread to everyone for everyone sinned. And the result of that sin is what happened. The evil entered, all kind of diseases we experience, all this fallenness in the world today is because of that sin, that first act of disobedience, the first act of sin, is the result of what we see today. And it separated us from the very thing we needed to stay attached to, that is God. We, we needed to stay in fellowship with God. But after they sinned, because sin and God cannot coexist, there is no place for sin when you are in God, in Christ. So sin and God cannot coexist. That's why man had to leave, man had to go. And God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. And then this rebelliousness of man and this the sinfulness of man and God did not exist. And the consequences of that was separation from God. And now today for us, this is hopeless thing is, this is hopeless that first, you, the consequence of this sinfulness, the first is your earthly separation with the Father, right? Your earthly separation from God. And the second consequences was eternal separation from God. Thus, the hopelessness and deplorable state of the world. That's what the world did. It separated us. It isolated us. And it isolated us eternally from God. That is exactly why we needed a Savior. We needed somebody to rescue us from this depraved world right? From this hopelessness of this world. We needed somebody to come out and then rescue us and bring and reconcile with the Father. We needed that. We couldn't pull ourselves with our own bootstraps. We couldn't say, all right, I'm going to do it because we are natural fallen people. A dirty rag cannot clean another dirty rag. It needs to be a clean rag. So, but we were already, already in the middle of this mess. We needed somebody who was, who was righteous we needed somebody who, is, who could pull ourselves from this uh, abyss of darkness. We needed somebody, somebody supernatural to rescue us. So we needed a Savior. We, we, we needed, it was necessary for us to be saved. So here is something that I brought. We needed a Savior who could sympathize with us. If we needed to be reconciled again with God, we needed to, again, have that relationship with God, we needed somebody who could sympathize with us. And we needed somebody who would love us. In John chapter 11, verse 34, 36, this is what it says. Where have you put him? This is the story of Lazarus. When Lazarus died, Jesus came. He was somewhere else. He, he knew all this was going on, but he comes back and he says, where have you put him? 
And he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And the brother of Mary and Martha, then he loved him. This is what he says. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. Jesus could sympathize with us. Jesus could weep with us. He was happy with us. He, was, he, he came down as a man and he saw what we went through and he, he sympathized with us. He sympathizes with you today. And then we needed a savior who could redeem us. That means sympathy, sympathy is not enough. There are gurus and the teachers in the world today, the philosophers in the world, who can sympathize with the depravity of the world, who can sympathize with the wrong things happening. But that, that's not going to do anything. So we needed a Savior who could redeem us. And this is what in the book of Matthew one twenty one says. And she will have a son, talking about Jesus. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So we needed a Savior, one who could sympathize with us, because we have fallen again from this uh, relationship with God. We have fallen from this, this Amazing state of our relationship with God to this deplorable, this hopelessness. So we needed a Savior to redeem us from that. And we needed a Savior who could restore us. Now, redemption wasn't enough. Then we needed to be restored to the, if not original, better state than before. So this is what in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 17 says, For the sin of this one man, that is Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift, gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will be triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. He redeems us, He saves us, and He restores us. Again, in Romans 5.10, this is what it says. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son while we are still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. Paul writes this to Romans that Jesus has restored us. God has restored us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we needed a Savior who could reconcile and justify us to the Father. Now, that's ultimate purpose is to, again, to present this church to Christ and present us to the Savior that is our Father ultimately, but Jesus himself needed to bring us to him. So Romans 5.18, again, this is what it says. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. So we're all fallen. We're all sinful if we're not saved in Christ. And this is what it says. Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. We are all, if we are Christians, who believe in Jesus. We have been made right with God through this one man and God, that is Jesus Christ. And then Romans 5.11, this is what he says. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. God made us righteous. God justified us. We were sinners and Jesus died for us. And he said, I'll take their sinfulness. I'll take their sin upon me and I'll be this sacrifice once and for all, and then I will bring them to the Father. And that's how He's justified us. That's how He reconciles us. We are today, all of us, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, if we believe in the Holy Spirit, if we believe in the Father, God the Father and the Holy Spirit, we are saved. 
we confess with our mouth that Jesus is our Lord, then he makes us right. Because what that means is, it's not merely confession saying that, yes, Lord, you are, no. It's the transformation. It's not just confession, it's the transformation. Once you confess with your heart and mind, Jesus is the Lord, and you transform your life by giving it to him and say, repenting and say, I will not do the things that I have done prior to my conversion to Christ. I am a new person. I'm a new creation. So I'm going to act as I am, as, as I'm a child of God. So that's the transformation that says, I am no longer the person I was. Now I've been restored, redeemed, clean, righteous, and made justified, justified before the Father. That's the, that's a nature of a saved person. Now, so, the, so again, the title of this sermon is, this is what I said. Now, I want to introduce that title, The Joy of Knowing Christ. That's the title, The Joy of Knowing Christ. Um, now, so the point I made in this previous, uh, when I said is that human estate is deplorable and hopeless. We were sinners who vehemently opposed God's law. We opposed God and everything he stood for. And then we deserved his wrath. But instead of wrath, what we got because of Jesus, grace and mercy and salvation. This is what we received. We received salvation. We were supposed to be heading towards hell, if not Jesus. So Jesus comes and he saves. And then I bring this message today because, because you see, we sometimes we season Christians. That, that is, we, we've been Christians for a long time. We forget what an amazing gift is Jesus. What amazing gift we have in Christ. We sang this morning about Jesus. We sang how wonderful God is. We sang what a wonderful song you two sing always. <laughs> we sang and that, that, that is joyfulness. We, we were glad. We were happy. We're excited. And that's how our life as Christians should be. It should be the memory of God's goodness. It should be the gladness and gratefulness. But here's our problem. We're more focused on the things of this world. And then we're focused on the, we are attached to the, the property, money, fame, and all those things, right? The world runs after those things. That's where we are attached. Our emotions are to this world. Our hope is in the man. That is why there's always disappointment. Uh, we get disappointed in the elections. We we vote for certain people and they don't get elected and we're disappointed because our hope is in the man. That's not how it's supposed to be. That's not how it's supposed to be. Now, especially when we're in the middle of the adversity, we forget this one word that Apostle Paul says to us. And this is where I want to spend my next 15 minutes. <laughs> this is where I'll spend now coming back to the, the verse that I um, read in the beginning. This is where we stay most of the time now. So when we're in the middle of the adversity, we forget the word of Apostle Paul when he says this. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, this is what he says. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Okay? Rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Uh, Apostle Paul, he says this to the Philippi, the church of Philippi. And now rejoice, why? Rejoice in the Lord and how? why should we rejoice in the Lord as Christians? For the, all the reasons that we already discussed. He sympathized with us, with us. He saw our sorrow. He saw our sinfulness. He redeemed us when we're 
we were sinners, He redeemed us. He restored us. He reconciled us to the Father. For these reasons, we rejoice every single day that we were supposed to be heading towards hell, separation from God, ultimate separation, eternal separation from God. But yet, Christ says, I love you and I want to save you. These things are the reasons we, we, uh, we rejoice in the Lord every single day. And then Romans 5, 6, here are some more reasons to rejoice. Romans 5, 6, this is what it says. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. That's, that should be the most exciting thing. We couldn't save ourselves. We needed a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. Christ came at the right time, not too late. Not too early. He came at the perfect time to save you, to save you, and to save me, and to save all of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, this is what it says. That is what the scriptures mean when that say, No eye has ever seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. God did His, did his job. He sent His Son, and the Son rescued us. Now our responsibility is to love that Father who was so kind and so loving towards us. We didn't owe Him anything. We didn't owe Him anything. He was perfectly just. He was perfectly righteous to say, I will send you directly to hell. He was perfectly righteous and just to do that. But instead, His mercy was so, so enormous. He said, I want to save these people and bring them to me. So He sends Jesus and now not only he sends Jesus, and then he says, I have prepared a place for them. A place where you have not even imagined. You can't even comprehend and fathom what kind of place I have prepared for you. To those who love him. To those who love him. And Psalms 16, 8. I know the Lord is always with me. I'll not be shaken, for he is right beside me. We have we have the Father who is right beside us always. He's always with us. He's never away. And that's the Father we have. And then my question to all of us today is this. Do we walk with this joyfulness in our hearts and in our lives? Or do we, do we, walk, do we walk with apathy? This apathetic feeling of the indifference. You don't feel emotionally anything. Or in your life you don't even know you say yourself you're a Christian, but then the way you live, the way you act is not Christian at all. Is that how we live? Or do we live with the knowledge that Christ is the most valuable thing in this world? Christ is the most wonderful thing to us in this life. Or do we live that with this knowledge that we know Christ? So Christians should be dancing. They should be rejoicing. They should be excited. They should always be happy. Maybe not always happy. That's not possible. <laughs> We're still in the earth. But we should always be joyful in our heart. There's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is momentary. You can get happy about everything. You get happy when you have a food in the... Uh, I mean, you, you get to eat steaks. You get to eat steaks. You get happy. But then you might not be joyful in your heart. <laughs> so there's a difference. Joy is everlasting. Joy is whether... The circumstances outside of our control are on our favor or not. We still have this feeling of anticipation and the feeling of it's going to be all right. That's the joy in your heart. It's not everything is fixed. It's knowing that Christ will fix everything in his time.
A Christian is the one who has found the most valuable thing in Christ, in, in this world, that is, he knows Christ. So this is what, again, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, the one that we started with, this is what he says. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So when we go back to the beginning that we started off, we, our state in this world as humans was utterly helpless. We're hopeless. And then Jesus, we, we received a Savior from God who could sympathize, love, and restore, and redeem us. And that's the infinite value above everything in this world. So this is, this is what Paul wrote to the, uh, to the church of Philippi. He says, everything is worthless. Everything in this world. That means our job, career, our life even. And disciples knew that our life was worthless. So they easily sacrificed that for the sake of the gospel. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. You know, when Paul wrote this letter, he was in the prison. We all know that, right? He's, this, this is one of the prison's letters. Ephesians was another, right? So he writes this book from the prison, and some scholars say at the height of his persecution, this is when he wrote at the height of his persecution. So his life was was worse than ever at this point. But then he says, Rejoice in the Lord to the people who are freely walking outside. And then he says, Rejoice with the Lord. He says, Knowing Christ is infinite. And how can he say that? Rejoice in the Lord in that state. It is because Apostle Paul had the perfect grasp on the word of Jesus. In the book of Mark 8.36, this is what it says. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul? Paul had lost the whole world and gained Christ. Right? He lost the world. He said, I don't care about this world. He lost the whole world. But he gained all of Christ. And that is exactly why he could say, again, in Philippians chapter 121, for me to live means living for Christ and dying is even better. So whether we live or whether we die, whether we have or we don't have, whether we are sufficiently provided or we are not, the worth of knowing Christ should transcend everything in this world. Because we have found the Messiah who knows us and we know him. We have found the Messiah and he who takes away our sins. Who takes away our sins. What if you gain the whole world? What if you become, you, you are like uh, one of the top famous guy in the world? What if you know, you become that per, richest person like uh, Bill Gates, Elon Musk, but you lose your soul? What does that benefit? They are still sad if they don't know Christ because they will be even sadder when they meet Jesus. But we today have the knowledge of Christ. So that's the most important thing. That's the joy of knowing Christ. We have this infinite value, eternal value in this knowledge that Christ is our Savior. And we get to walk every single day. It doesn't matter. 
our happiness is not rooted in the superficiality of superficial spirituality in this world, like New Year's theology or this baseless practices in this world, like yoga and stuff like that. Positive thinking, that's not what we are. This weird thing in this world, that's not where our happiness and joy rooted. It is rooted in the sublimity of our Christ Jesus. It is rooted in Christ and Christ alone. So it, we, in that knowledge, we should walk joyfully. Okay? Because He's alone worthy. Jesus alone is worthy. He alone is righteous. He alone is God. He alone is supreme Christ. And we know Him. What else do we need? Nothing. That should be enough. So that should be enough. In Philippians chapter 4, 4, Paul repeats, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. From the prison, he writes this. And in this world, we have a lot of things going on. Every day there's something that just wants to kill our joy in Christ. Something wrong. There's always something wrong that's happening. There's something wrong always happening. And that will continue until the day we go to meet Jesus. So it's worthless that we spend any energy thinking and worrying about this world. It's, it's not beneficial. We shouldn't spend our energy in that. Instead, we should know what we have is priceless. We should know what we have is you cannot put value in that thing. That's the knowledge of Christ. That's the knowledge of Christ. I could, I could talk about this all day. I'm choosing not to. <laughs> because it's so amazing. The more I think about, I know Christ. I know Christ. To me, my family kicks me out of, my, uh, out of the house. doesn't matter. They don't want to give me any, any of their property. It does not matter. And to disciples, it didn't matter. To a lot of Naples abroad, it didn't matter to them when they leave their house or they get kicked off their will on uh, the property and everything. It doesn't matter to the Pakistanis, to the Afghan Af- in Afghanistan. It doesn't matter to them when they kill, they behead them because to them, the knowledge of Christ is priceless and everything in this world is worthless. And here's how we can get it started if we don't have this kind of joy. Number one, I would say meditate in the word of God. Remember how He has rescued us, redeemed us, loved us, changed us, and reconciled us. Another thing that is a stumbling block for many Christians is this. We dwell in the past too much. The past should be our teacher, not our master. The past should teach us, oh yeah, that's not, I'm not supposed to do that. But then it shouldn't be our master to, uh, it shouldn't enslave us. This is what Apostle Paul says again in the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. And leave the past, the things of the past. If somebody troubled you, somebody mistreated you, somebody betrayed you, somebody was nasty to you, forget about that. Somebody, you could have been a millionaire today, Forget about that. Just if there was something in the past, whether that was success or failure, leave that behind and anticipate the future. Again, we read in the first Corinthians chapter two, verse nine, when he says, no eye has ever seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. 
Dwell in this if you want to dwell somewhere. <laughs> dwell in the Word of God. Meditate and think about it. Oh my goodness, I'm going to have Christ before me and there is something that I can't even imagine. So I, I don't even know how to get excited about that. It's going to be good. We know that. But we don't know how good it's going to be. So dwell, anticipate the future, the eternity with Christ, if anything. And walk with the awareness of His presence. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, this is what it says. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. The point is, we are citizens of heaven. And you should know that. You're not ordinary people. You're not just Christians. You are child. You are children of God. God has rescued us and redeemed and loved us. And He has led us into this promised land that's going to be even better when we get to see that promised land for us. That's heaven. And then finally, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Honorable, right, pure and holy, lovely and admirable. That's where you need to dwell. Think about those things. When you think on the positive things like this, not the worldly kind of positive things, but the things that are of Christ, things that are from Christ, we will have better thoughts, <laughs> we'll have better actions, we'll have better, we'll do better when we are met with adversity because we will have faith in Christ. That's the most important thing. So I do not know what you are going through in your life, but I want to encourage all of us today Live with this joy in your heart. Live with this excitement. It's not just a boring religion. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is the most adventurous and a wonderful thing. You live out this faith. If you live out this faith, how Jesus commanded us, you'll always be excited and there's no time to be bored. There's always something going on. Always something will be going on because the, uh, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit will be working through and in you. And we all want to be worked and used by God, right? So we need to focus on that. And again, finally, let me read that verse again, and then we'll, we'll, we'll finish. Yep, right about time. <laughs> um, so the finally, reading again, Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. And I hope that we all understand and meditate on this. We know Christ. We know Christ. Just think about that throughout the day today. I know Christ. I know the most important person in the universe I know him, and he knows me. You'd be excited if, it, uh, let's say, uh, the current president knew you, Biden or Donald Trump knew you. You'd be, oh, he knows me. You'd be really excited. Oh, he knows me. Yeah. Even the governor of Mississippi, if they knew you, you'd say, oh, they know me. You'd be really excited, right? That's, that's a cool thing. 
But remember, the most important than them, they are nothing. They're nothing. Infinitely amazing person. Jesus knows you and he knows him. So that should produce even greater excitement in us. And that's what I want to encourage all of us today, to walk with this joy. Finally, here's what we talked about today. The, the state of man was deplorable and hopeless. When we needed a Savior, that's Jesus Christ. He came and He died for us and He rose again and He saves us. In His name, there is, uh, there is salvation. And Jesus was the only one who could save us. There is infinite value in knowing Jesus Christ. And we should meditate on that, be joyful and rejoice in the fact that we are saved. Despite we deserving His wrath, we we found out His mercy and grace in our lives. All of us. All of us were sinners, but Christ loved us and saved us anyway. Because Jesus had died on our behalf. That's my encouragement to all of us this morning. All right, that's, that's all that I have. Let's pray and then I'll turn it over to you. Heavenly Father, we... Uh, we thank you this morning. Thank you so much for the word. Thank you so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die and save us and to rise again from the death. Oh, Lord, we thank you for this infinite value of knowing Christ and help us not to be focused on the worthless things of this world, but to be focused in the Word of God, focused on the knowledge that Christ is our Savior, focused on the joy of knowing Christ, focused in the joy that is infinite in our lives. Help us not to be focused and attracted to the things of this world, but, Lord, help us to walk righteously before you, knowing that Christ you live and you save us. Thank you for all these things. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.